welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I on the show uh, have Team Sweden on the docket as we rank the top 10 players from every country. Well, at least every country with 10 players. I was going to say, we're not doing Japan. No, no, no. We, we need we need 10 players to be from that place. <laughs> that, that's, that's a requirement. Uh, but Sweden, fortunately, fits the bill. And so we are going to be ranking them. If you haven't listened to our top 10 uh, of other countries, we just did the United States and Finland, Czech Republic, uh, but also all 31 teams across the National Hockey League. Subscribe to the show. Go back and uh, find those episodes and enjoy. There is really nothing in there that uh, that is time sensitive, so you can always go back and just enjoy those episodes. So with that said, we always have a just missed on uh, on every single one of our our rankings players that just did not mi- make the cut so justin hello yeah good morning and uh let's let's hear your just miss let's dive right in i've got four guys on my just missed there was it was there was some tight competition for that lower yeah tier yeah i definitely wouldn't disagree with you there after i got past like number seven it was just like okay who, these bottom three spots, like, it's tight. So I've got Nicholas Backstrom. Obviously, I think his production obviously is is there, but to me, he kind of goes down a peg because he played with Ovechkin, and that's where he's getting most of his points from. So I just I couldn't justify putting him, a, you know, over a couple and, of these other his guys. his career is not really not probably over. even close to being over. Right, yeah. I, so I he think could. he could jump his way into this. He, he just missed mine as well. Okay. I've got Kent Nielsen. Uh, famous second line center for the Oilers in the late 80s. He only got that one cup, but uh, Matt Snazlin and probably a guy who who I found on a lot of lists, but his career was very, very short, unfortunately, cut cut short by an auto accident. That's Pelly Lingberg, uh, yes. that famous goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. who to me probably... One rookie of the year in yeah. 86, 85, 86 season. Very, very good goaltender uh, at at the time and probably still would have been good you know, moving forward in his he career. He still so. would have been good right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very 35 athletic. years later, he was going to still be dominant. No. Yes. Um, the only other guy I have on my just missed, I just missed Marcus Nasland. Okay. Who's the third all time goal score, like goal scoring Swedish player with 395 goals. All right. Yeah. I respect it. Uh, okay. Well, let's go to your number 10. All right. Oh, uh, and, and by the way, do you, b- before we dive fully into the list, um, how many active players made your list? Um, let's see here. We got literally. I've got two. Okay, I active. have two as well. Okay, so I'm guessing yeah, I, they're probably the same. I there there are players right now, and this it kind of like there's there's quite a few guys like on the U.S. one, and and on Finland where you're like, man, this guy's for sure going to be on this list someday, but just not there yet. Yeah, there's there's quite a few active guys that I think maybe could. Like maybe you could talk about as a Benajad, maybe if he you know ups his career. Well, like um, Victor Hedman, he missed my list, right. and he's somebody who, I mean, if he goes and wins another Norris Trophy or just like plays for another five years at a high level, suddenly you're tied, or like goes and wins a Stanley Cup, maybe two Stanley Cups for the Tampa Bay Lightning, then yeah. you're really talking about uh, him cementing himself into this list. But yeah, another guy I'd love to maybe revisit in a decade from now, Robin Leonard. 
see where he's at because he's a guy who I think could potentially crack this list. So interesting. I don't, we would have never been saying that like two years ago. No, no. <laughs> but good on him. So, um, all right, number ten for me, probably a guy who you know, like most Americans, probably mispronounce his name. I honestly don't know how to pronounce it, and he probably got made fun of a little bit. It's Hocken Lube. Hocken Lube. Yeah, and again, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it. Feel free to uh, you know tweet at us, let us know. But uh, this guy basically came in in the 80s. He's the first ever Swedish player to score 50 goals in a season, and he basically did it 85 points in 79 games for the Flames. He helped them capture their first cup. And, uh, boy, this guy was small, but he could skate. He could fly out there. And he ended up racking up 429 points in 450 games. And then literally just went over to the Swedish Elite League to finish out his career because, you know, after he won the Cup in 89 with the Flames, he's like, hey, I've done it. Like, you know, I'm still young. I can still compete. So he goes over to the Swedish Elite League and just basically puts up another 405 points in 501 games. So he was pretty dang good over there as well uh especially in a league that was definitely more of a defensive league too. right yeah they're a low scoring league for those who don't know and still are to this day still but putting up 66 points in 40 games yeah so this guy i mean obviously he's just um he's a little unknown because obviously at this point swedes weren't relatively abundant in the nhl at that time so to me he comes in at number 10 okay uh Hockenlub did not make my list uh certainly could I, and I, I appreciate the fact that you know he's the first fifty goal scorer, scoring Swedish player. Um, just missed my list because uh, four hundred and fifty games played is not anywhere near anyone on the the, the, the list that made it for me. Uh, so that just kind of says you know hey you didn't you didn't play in the NHL for very long, so I don't know what would have happened to you at thirty. I'm sure he would have been fine, but uh, I just. You know, when I see Gabe Landeskog has played 200 more games than you, and he still has such a long career ahead of him, uh, it's just not enough games for me. Fair enough. So who's your number 10? My number 10 is a player that I'm sure you love, and that's former Detroit Red Wing. I guess he's sort of like a current, like he never left the Red Wings. He's just a Red Wing. I should yeah, technically, he's still being paid he's, by the Red Wings, so... Detroit Red Wings superstar Henrik Zetterberg. There you go. Uh, over a thousand games played and almost one thousand points. If he could have just, you know, had a good back, boy, wouldn't that have been something? Uh, he, I, I, he, he could have been much better than what he was. It's just the last two years of his career, he was so hampered by that that back that. I mean, he could barely get up in the morning. He was getting, like, full-on massages every day after game day. It's like, it was smart of him to call it a career. Uh, it's just sad that he wasn't able to get to 1,000 points because he for sure would have. Yeah, it's always sad when you get guys like that that, you know, like, their career's cut. I don't want well, his career wasn't exactly cut short, but it could have been something more yeah. when, and then, you know, again, there's guys I mean, that. Yeah, drafted in 99. He played a full season in 2017, 18. So, right. he, I mean, he played a long, long time. Uh, I mean, I guess he didn't make it to the NHL until he was 22, but still, that's, that's 16 seasons is how long he That's And that's a great, fantastic career. Won him uh, that Stanley Cup. In 2008, never uh, never got the chance to to go for it in 2002 like Zetterberg or uh, like Dadzuk did. Yeah, 
uh, getting that year, year thanks ahead to of them. Detroit signing all those veteran Luke Robitaille, Brett Hall, yeah. and yeah. then again you've got you know Detroit's mantra of always just like oh we're gonna let guys over ripen in the minors and it worked out well but yeah it yeah. certainly worked out and and let's be honest if that lockout year hadn't have happened Zetterberg gets a thousand points no doubt about it yeah. Uh, okay, uh, you're number nine. All right, number nine for me, Daniel Alfredson. Okay. The longtime captain of the Senators and um, second all-time Swedish scorer. Yeah, I'm not as high on him as most people. He was he was consistent, right? Like um, like some other guys on this list, just consistently putting up points year after year. Um, you know, obviously had a lot of international success. You know, won gold in 2016, the silver in 2014, and then won, you know, some silver and bronze with in the world championships, but never got that elusive Stanley cup. And, you know, when you look at a guy, you know, obviously he got the Calder and he got the Messier award, but not any, you know, big hardware, right? Not any like notable hardware pieces, uh, like the Selkie or the heart trophy for that matter. And, um, but again, just a model of consistency. And I remember his last season coming over to Detroit. I'm like, wow. Okay. We're still recycling the guys on their their last leg, like Mike Madano, and <laughs> bringing them in. But you know what? He was he was fun to watch. He was you know entertaining, and he he still had it at 41 years old, and you know still brought it again. 49 points in 68 games for the Wings, but never a never a big goal scoring machine. Only you know he got 40 twice, uh, 30 you know two other times yeah, after more that. More like but, hey, I'm going to score you 20, 25 goals. Yeah, and I'm going to put up 50 assists. Yeah, but he uh, uh, I mean he did, he did win the Calder. Right. Uh, and the, the Messi and the Clancy, but, you know. Yeah, I forgot about that Clancy word. And then, again, second team all-star once, and that was about it. And, again, you've talked about it numerous times about being, like, the best at your position. And, uh, right. you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, he just got caught in an era where you had guys like, you know, Rick Nash scoring 50 goals or, um, you know, Yamir Yager and Jerome Aginlas, and so just never really was the guy at his position. Well, and you also – he was stuck in Ottawa, right? right? Like Ottawa actually had some very good teams. I mean, Ottawa was finishing top in the Eastern conference a few times. And other than 2006, seven, when they go to the Stanley cup finals and, uh, lose in what five games to the Anaheim ducks. Right. Uh, he just, he didn't have super deep playoff runs, uh, they, I mean, they, they made the playoffs pretty much every single year that he was there from the time that he's 24 years old. It wasn't until he was 32 or no, 32. That was the lockout year. Um, it wasn't until he was 36 in 08, 09 that they finally missed the playoffs from 96, 97 to 08, 09. So right. uh, pretty good. I mean, he he did have a couple. He had one third round in 2002, but he just didn't seem to be able to to break that consistency in the playoffs at least from a team perspective from from his perspective he was fine yeah uh, no fault of his it, it was just kind of hey there's it's ottawa and they couldn't they were kind of seen as the playoff chokers but unfortunately he was the captain of that team and so he sort of gets lumped into yeah he was a really nice regular season player but for the most part he wasn't great in the playoffs and for the most part he just couldn't get it done. Like, that was how we've seen. Right. Like, the guy who never really got it done. Kind of like Tuka Rask, I think, of, you know, same aspect. Guy who can't get it done, right? Yeah, but on a much better team. Right. <laughs> the Bruins probably <laughs> much more consistent. But, yeah. Sure. Uh, Daniel Alfred, I think for the most part, just gets lost 
in Ottawa. Sure. Like, yeah. It's Ottawa. <laughs> I know. You feel guy, feel bad for guys that go there because they've had some really talented players over the years, but they just, yeah, you know, terrible management and ownership, honestly. Yeah. Daniel Alfredson is my number eight. Okay. Um, my number nine, another Ottawa senator, former senator, Eric Carlson. Okay. Coming yeah. in at number nine. So I I have Carlson a little further further down my list. Uh, I I think that there's a chance he could move up. He obviously has had some of the greatest seasons for a defenseman, or for just for anyone <laughs> from Sweden, but and and has the Norris trophies, but he uh, just hasn't played long enough. And as of recently, you know, he had he had some great seasons, but now as of recently, he's not looking like he's going to be this guy who's going to do this for another five or six years. It looks like he's slowed down right. and has kind of, in his late 20s, fallen off a bit. Boy, let's hope not. I, I'm sure the San Jose Sharks hope not. Just gave him $11 million, so. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he did win the silver in Sochi, Russia, right. in, the, in the Olympics. So, uh, Did he make your list? He did, yeah. Okay, he's just a, he's a couple spots higher. Okay. But. Uh, well, let's do your number eight. Number eight, yeah, Henrik Zetterberg. You talked about him. Uh, for me, this obviously this is a guy probably you know outside of one or two other Swede players here. He's the one I watch the most out of sure. all these Swedish players. I, and, I would. I'm in that same boat too. Yeah, and just I remember his 2008 Stanley Cup cons might you know finish and legit. Obviously, part of me wanted it to go to Osgood because Ozzy came in and took over for Hashik and he put up a, still a 930 save percentage. He was unreal. Yeah. Uh, but Zetterberg's work in the finals, shutting down uh, Crosby. And I remember that five, everybody points to it, that five on three penalty kill where he was just all over the ice. And again, a guy who, you know, still at that time was, you know, still having issues with his back. Obviously they weren't as bad, but I mean, he just did everything. Was he having to, issues with his back in 2008? Yeah. Wow. It was going back. So, um, but yeah, this guy, he was just all over the ice playing such a key role defensively and offensively for this team. And that's just what he was really known for. Now, he didn't really get any other big hardware because, uh, you know, unfortunately he, well, I should say unfortunately, lucky for me, he got to play with uh, another great defensive forward, Pavel Dadzuk, who stole a lot of those Selkies. Yep. You know, I'm sure Zetterberg probably would have got one if, you know, Dadzuk hadn't been around, but... You know, it is what it is, and you look at, there's another guy on my list who probably could have got some more hardware, had another couple, you know, players not been around the league, but that's always the case, so. Is Zetterberg the best defensive forward of all time from Sweden? From Sweden? No. No? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious to see who you, who you say is the best. Yeah, are they? I assume they appear later in your list. Yeah, I think. Yeah, okay. there's there's All one right. guy. I, I I think probably, and maybe it's more more because of how he plays offensively. But yeah. Okay. All okay. right, we'll see. Um. Well, my number eight was Daniel Alfredson. Yep. We've already spent some time on him. Uh. Let's go to your number seven. Number seven, Eric Carlson for me. Okay. And again, I kind of talked about this a little bit with Alfie, but you know, obviously. Carlson was a guy who was the best at his position and was for, you know, quite a few years. And, you know, he really kind of redefined that offensive defenseman sort of role. And now it's I honestly think it's because of him that we look for uh, look at the defensive position and basically give out the, you know, that that Norris trophy to the guy who accumulates the most points. Right. Yep. Not necessarily because of their defensive game. And again, Eric Carlson's gotten better at it, especially in his later 20s. Early on in his career, though, you know, 
he just wasn't that defensive defenseman type guy. He was just, I'm going to go out there and score 80 you points. Didn't and need him to be. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, unfortunately, he played with an Ottawa team that really wasn't that great either. And still um, took them within an overtime goal right. away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Damn Penguins. Uh, yeah, just it's crazy to think, yeah, they really got that close. And, uh, you know, again, he, he got the Norris twice. He got second place yeah. one year so, or two years. I'm sorry. So, again, this guy could potentially have four Norrises on his shelf. He was just that good offensively. Yeah. And I'm hoping for the Sharks anyways he can get back to form and, you know, maybe find his way a little bit more now that hopefully his injuries are behind him, especially with that Achilles issue he and, was having. And so. I mean, hey, here we go. Nice long break. Right. Eric Carlson <laughs> might have nine months off by the time we're we're back. That's crazy to think about, right? We've we've been at a four month break before training yeah. camp got back. So um, so my number seven I have is a uh, an N.A. because I have number six is Henrik Sedin and Daniel Sedin tied at six. So I, okay. I made it so that there was no no seven because that's OK. That's two player. Yeah, well, that's, so that's fair. I, I actually did them both in the same spot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have, I, I, we, we both talked about it before. Uh, just how can you not bunch them together? They have to be. <laughs> There's just right. no way, no way around it. They're the fourth and fifth highest scorers in Swedish history. Uh, I mean, Daniel Sedin only played 24 fewer games than Henrik Sedin. They just their careers. They played together the almost the whole entire time that they were on the ice. Uh, they only averaged 29 second difference over the course of their entire career in terms of on ice. Uh, they both basically have the same power play percent, uh, power play minutes. It's it's uh, a career where they truly they they were just one. They played as right. one. They they won as one. They lost as one. I mean, I all their success. I think the Canucks success at that time go be towards like you have to look at these, these two guys. And I, I think the reason why maybe the Canucks team wasn't better. I remember reading the year that, uh, that they lost to the Kings in the first round in seven, uh, they lose in seven games. Was it seven games or was it faster than yeah, that? I can't remember. I don't remember. I just, the Kings were, it was the year the Kings were the eight seed. Oh, right. And yeah. The Canucks were the one. And I remember one of the two twins, I don't know which one, I remember them saying, you know, I don't know, I, like, we don't understand why people are so, so crazy about these Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, the... I do not remember just, that. They're just games. Like, so it was something along those lines. And I remember going, that's, that's why... They're incredible players. They obviously have a high level of competition, but maybe you just aren't willing to like some players. It seems like they lay their life out on the line right. to like win the Stanley Cup. Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung, kind of thing. Yes, yes, yeah. and and that to me maybe is the difference. Uh, a player sometimes not feeling the same weight of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you don't push yourself a little bit more. Much more into we want to win the gold in the Olympics is is my guess. You know, that like internationally that tends to be a a more important thing for some different players. Uh 
and of course they did win the gold in 2006 so right yeah that's great i actually had not heard that before i'm surprised i haven't because like i'll never forget hearing that and going that explains everything yeah that would i mean really if you don't have that drive or that that effort that extra push to go a little bit harder that some guys can wow okay i guess it's not to say that maybe they didn't they they didn't learn to understand that but it wasn't there's like i feel like from the time that i was old enough to understand what a hockey puck was <laughs> like i never played at a high level hockey but i wanted to win the stanley cup and sure. that was like the pinnacle of anything hockey like that's always what you played for on the street whereas that may not be the same motivation for other players and so then when the you know there's no real pay benefit in the playoffs it's just hey you're playing to win this whole thing and it's the stanley cup and it doesn't maybe have the same meaning and maybe it does go to you know show why maybe they didn't have the the same level of playoff success that some other guys have had wow i'll tell you what their goaltender uh i'd love to hear what mr roberto luongo would have said about that but again too i mean now you know, maybe they say that after a loss, they're frustrated, right? And they're trying to put it in reason. But yeah, that's that's still something you don't come out and say, regardless. If you're frustrated, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can't find the like the proof that they said that. <laughs> I uh, believe it. I'm, I'm confident that I wasn't like dreaming or anything. <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Uh, well, there's my. That's my six seven. Basically. Okay. Uh, who is your number six? Six. Uh, Boria Salming. All right. Defenseman for the Toronto, yes. yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs. This guy is kind of like Alfredson in the fact that he grew up in an era where he was never considered the best his position because he played with Bobby Orr. Orr. Yeah, Bobby Orr and Larry Robinson right in front of him, and it's like, okay, you've got these two legends of the game who have about thirty Norris trophies between them, and it's like, how do you, you know, how do you get the spotlight on you and? I felt kind of bad for him because he's such an incredible player. If you really go back and look at his numbers, they're just amazing. And he had seven straight years to start his career where he was top five in Norris voting. Like, and and only one of those years was he five. Right. <laughs> With all the rest of them, he was four or three or two. Yeah, this guy, I mean, to me, is one of the most underrated defensemen in you know history. And I don't know if maybe he's underrated because everybody knows how good he was. But he doesn't get the same accolades. He doesn't get the same... You know, he doesn't get put in that discussion like some of these other great players do. And to me, he's he's one of the better defensemen to ever play the game. And right now, to me, you know, he's obviously the best, the second best defenseman to ever play for Sweden, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, maybe one day Victor Hedman might be in that conversation. But right now, to me, it's it's Borea Salming. Yeah. And I mean, Borea Salming also was uh, not on the greatest of teams. No. Uh, really, he made it past the first round three times and four times in his career uh those toronto teams just didn't really have it <laughs> right <laughs> just no other way to describe it but uh yeah boreas alming also really the first swedish superstar in the nhl there you go and uh so i i think he he's my number five so okay. we have him pretty ranked pretty similarly uh not only is boreas alming one of the best Swedish players to ever play. And I mean, defensively speaking, he, he definitely was one of those guys that helped to change the position from a, from a defensive only to this offensive type of position where you could produce offense from the back end. Uh, 
and you know he's coming into he comes into the league only I think a year younger than uh, than Bobby Orr. He just happens to come in when he's 22 years old because hey he's from Sweden and he doesn't have the same type of exposure. Uh, but and he doesn't start his career scoring a ton and then you know once he's 25 26 27 he starts he puts up four straight 70 plus point seasons and and that's kind of where his you know those are his prime seasons but uh he also is like a cultural icon in sweden i mean you go over there i remember my dad going to sweden and coming back with like some boreas salming some like clothing line that he has and he's like it's everywhere you can't go into stores and not see these boreas salming uh i guess it's just salming yeah is the the line but uh yeah i mean he's he is somebody who has infiltrated not just the you know hey he's a great player but also the culture and uh if you're from sweden i i think that there's a chance if you're from sweden you're ranking him Higher, especially if you're you're somebody who watched him play, you might have him in your top three on this list. Wow! All right. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, he's my number five. So okay. let's let's roll into the top five. Yeah, my number five, uh, the Sedin Twins. I've got okay, them both okay. at five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we spent plenty of time talking about them, and so I won't bore you with with you know the details about their career. We know what they did. They're just fantastic players. Their chemistry is unbelievable. And I remember this this play they used to always do which was one of my favorite and they just, I remember them burning Detroit quite a few times on it, but like one of the Sedines would basically dump it and play it off the boards and the other one would just shoot down like a rocket and just get in front of get past the defenseman cuz they're like, "Okay, the goalie's going to come out while well, the keeper's not coming out cuz they're coming in so quick and they would just take the puck and score." And it was just annoying, but it was so effective. Especially in Detroit, too, where the boards were more lively. So Yes, yes. At the Joe, the boards were quite, quite crazy. Yeah. Uh, That's my number five. Perfect. Uh, okay, so my number five is Borea Salming. Perfect. Number four is my only goaltender on the list. Same. And that's Henrik Lundqvist. By far the most winningest Swedish goaltender of all time. 887 games played. 459 wins. Uh, second most is Tommy Salo with 210. So <laughs> he more than doubles up the next guy. He's just far and away the best Swedish goaltender to ever play and unfortunately does not have his Stanley Cup. Yeah, you know, it's it's sad because I don't think he will ever get a Stanley Cup. I don't think... I mean, unless he... He plays a backup role here for quite a while yeah. in New York. I don't think he's ever going to get it. And his best bet will maybe be to try to convince them to trade him in the offseason. But we'll see how that pans out. And I don't think he's going to get traded, but we'll see. But again, to me, he's just he's a guy I remember so many, you know, on a couple occasions, literally putting this Rangers team on his back oh, yeah. and carrying them to the finals. I remember against the L.A. Kings, and I was just so pissed when Alec Martinez scored that goal. I'm like, dude, there's not one. He was like the Dave Anderchuk at, at even you know even though he wasn't that old but he was just like a guy who I'm, yeah. I look at and I'm like he deserves a freaking cup like a you know like a Ray Bork and I'm like yeah. dude just give him the freaking cup and he's yeah unfortunately the Rangers probably not in a position to go that deep again for a little while and yeah. you're right he's unless they get really lucky and you know maybe uh you know what's his face Sork Sorkinson you know steals a couple rounds but here's, uh, here's the interesting thing just to go side note sure Henrik Lundqvist may not be protected 
for the expansion draft. Yeah, and if I'm the Rangers, I'm not protecting him either. No. So, because you want Sorkinson. I, I don't know what his no move looks like. I'm not looking at cap friendly right now, but I mean, can you imagine if he just agreed to waive it and said, "Okay, I'll go to, I'll go to Seattle," and then Lundqvist pulls a Mark Andre Fleury, gets to go and kind of revitalize himself somewhere else on the complete opposite side of the country. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he'll be at the you know his 39 or. 40 years old at that point so maybe not as much of a revitalization but, yeah whereas flurry was what 35 yeah. when he went to vegas yeah. but i will say uh lundquist best dressed guy in hockey hands down and uh he actually plays electric guitar in a band too wow yeah the most Lung- people don't know that. the lungfoot staters <laughs> i have no idea what the band's name is but I'm into sure the it's top fantastic. three yeah let's move on um i i think we'll have the same top three just a matter of the order uh my three is Peter Forsberg. Okay. I, I, my guess, so I'll go Forsberg, Sundin, Lindstrom. So I guess Lindstrom, Sundin, Forsberg is my one, two, three. Yeah. I've got Lindstrom at number one. Uh, Forsberg at two, though. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's typical to a lot of lists that I've seen. Um, yeah. And I guess maybe that's more because I watched Forsberg a lot more than I watched Sundin. And, you know, unfortunately, you can, I, I think, you know, especially with Sundin or Forsberg, you can flip either one of these guys. But obviously, Sundin had the longer career. Forsberg, I think, during his time was more dominant. And it's funny, too, because these guys are actually tied to each other when you think about Sundin and Forsberg. And you, you kind of think, okay, how? Well, it's Sundin that won Forsberg some cups because right. he got traded, you know, from Quebec to, uh, oh man, I can't remember what team it was, but anyways. And to they, Toronto? Yeah, to Toronto for Wendell Clark, who played one season in Quebec, and before they moved to Colorado, uh, Quebec flipped Clark to uh, the New Jersey Devils for Claude Lemieux. So because uh-huh. of Sunday, Claude Lemieux comes to, you know, and at the and time... And then Wendell Clark comes back to Toronto. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of tie in there with both these guys, but I mean, Sundin, though, you want to talk about a model of consistency. This guy, to me, you know, every single year I look at his, his numbers, and it's just like consistently point per game every single season. Obviously, he had that one, you know, that 114-point season. But outside of that, and, you know, especially in the 90s, too, when points were a little bit more scarce, he was right. still, you know, 80, 70, 90 points every single season without a doubt. It's crazy. Yeah, and he never really got any recognition at all. Like truly no recognition. I mean, he was he was eighth in Hart Trophy voting one time in oh one oh two. Then that's that like you know, he was he was out top twelve, fifteen, twenty here and there. Uh he was only a second team all star twice. He would never really in consideration for any kind of like selkie. The highest he ever got was 37th in 0203. 70th in the Lady Bing Trophy. <laughs> or 32nd, I guess, in 0708. No, 37th. Yeah, but in yeah in 2007-8, he, he finished 70th in Lady Bing voting. Oh, 70th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, 70th. He got that one third place vote, I'm sure. Some Toronto guy. Probably. Like, the guy just did not get this the kind of recognition that he should have. And... A lot of people, especially in Toronto in the 90s, did not like that he became the captain. There was a like a very prejudice type of like, he's not Canadian. He's I mean, and it was definitely like a Don Cherry driven conversation that oh, happened. Sure. Like, didn't really like 
the fact that there was, you know, you you still had Doug Gilmore on the team, but you they made Sundin the captain. There there was a lot of controversy, uh, and people just. He was the nicest freaking guy. Like I think everyone loved him. Everyone on the team knew why he was the captain. There was just this weird prejudice towards him. And I think that it really transferred over to the reporters, which are the ones who vote on some of these a lot all these trophies. And I think for whatever reason that just uh he never got that type of recognition despite the fact that he point per game player when it was pretty freaking hard to be a point per game player. Go back and look at each year and who's in the top 10 of scoring you will find Sundin in the top 10 of scoring every year pretty much every single year he's in the top 10 of scoring all the way to when he's when he's uh even in his mid-30s he's still one of the top scoring players in the NHL and constantly putting up 30 goals like he had 30 goals every single year and in his career except for Basically four times. Four times? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Four times. <laughs> the rest of the time, you know, over 30 goals. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and I'm not including the final year with Vancouver. That, that year doesn't count. No. <laughs> he never played for Vancouver. <laughs> just like Wendell Clark never played for... No, I'm just kidding. Quebec. But, yeah. Doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, Sundin, to me, the best... of the. He, he wasn't more talented than Forsberg. I agree with you. Forsberg had that, especially that like 0203 year, the year where he wins the heart. I mean, he Forsberg was absolutely dominant. He he could do everything. Uh he just didn't last very long. Yeah, unfortunately and the so, injuries. So to me, yeah. like I mean, basically Forsberg played almost half the amount of games that Yeah, Sandin about 60%. Played. Yeah. So to me, that's uh, like that is definitely a factor. I mean, yeah, did he have great success? Sure, but that's because he was on a team with one of the great, like probably top five best players of the '90s and early 2000s, Joe Sakic. Yeah, but I mean, to Forsberg's defense, they never really played on a line together that much. No, but he, well, no, not at all, actually. Right, but they were both centers. Forsberg was the second line center. Right, <laughs> he he was an Evgeny Malkin, basically, is what he was. Right, right. Yeah. But it's when Sackick wasn't the guy, you know, Forsberg would step up. And I remember watching him, and he, to me, Forsberg, to me, is probably my favorite defensive forward for, you know, Sweden because of how he controlled the puck and how he, you know, because of his physicality, I remember Forsberg would literally, like, he would have the puck. Or if you had the puck, he would literally just come up to you, shoulder you. You wouldn't really fall over, but he would legit just, like, move you to the side. And you would have you would have no control over this at all, and you would just lose the puck at that point. And yeah. he would just take it from you, and just okay, good. I'm gonna go the other way, and and then dish it off to somebody else, and they're gonna score because I'm that good. And he just made it look so effortless to me. You know, obviously, I think you know Zetterberg had the hustle, but Forsberg just made it look like he wasn't even trying. He was just that good at it. And so, yeah. And you, I mean, again, the points. We know the totals, obviously, you know, I think the point per game pace, just obviously Forsberg was much better. And I think had, you know, he had a little bit more, you know, longevity to his career, not all the injuries, I, you know, we'd be, you know, maybe spitting out a different tune. But, and it's funny because every time Forsberg got injured, he'd come back and be just as dominant and then get injured, come back and be just as dominant. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, is it the injury or is it just, you know, is he just really that good? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, whereas Sundin, from the time he was 19 till he was till the 0102 season, he missed 16 games. Yeah, he was Iron Man for sure. <laughs> for I mean, sure. he pretty much played, and then even after that, you know, he the lowest amount of games he ever played in a season was 70, and that's kind of toward you know towards the end of his career. Uh, and he was he was a big man. I mean, he's six foot four, six five, two hundred and thirty pounds. Uh, I mean, even as the league started to get a little bit faster and there was less clutch and grabbing, he's still putting up over thirty goals. Anyways, Matt Sundin, he's you know. All time, he's 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 got to be my favorite all time. No, I don't blame you either. So I, you know, and there's that too. But I I just I look at the games played and and the total impact on everything that he was able to do because he played for so long, almost 1,350 games. Uh, and I think he would have been on Team Sweden when they won the gold. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't the number one guy, but. No, no, yeah. by, by that point, he's 35 years old. Yeah, but he was still a pretty darn good player. Yeah, he was, he was. And that leaves us with Nicholas Lidstrom. Yeah, the captain of that Swedish one. team that won yes. the gold. So, Yes. Yeah, was very happy to see that. I remember they had five Red Wing players on that team. Yep. Lidstrom, Holstrom, Zetterberg, you know, uh, Samuelson. These guys were very yeah, dominant. Yeah. Samuelson. Yeah, Michael Samuelson. Guys forget about him. He was, he was a great depth player for the Wings, but... I mean, what's what's there to say about Lidstrom that hasn't already been said, right? I mean, he had ten freaking All Star number one votes. Number he came in at you know second All Star twice in his career, seven Norris trophies, a Conn Smythe, first ever European born captain to win a Stanley Cup. Guy's incredible. Yeah, and I think you because he was so good. That to me is why there are so many good Swedish defensemen in the league now. Yeah, like, I think there just is. You know, obviously, there's some level of like, hey, there's some really great coaching defensively. Their leagues are very defensive, so they learn how to play that way. But uh, I think a lot of guys grew up idolizing and watching Nicholas Lidstrom. And so you have more Swedish guys who said, I want to be a great defenseman. Whereas in Canada, I mean, not that there's not great defensemen from Canada (laughs) and the US and other countries, but I think when the best players from your country play a certain position you're probably more likely to get the other best players growing up wanting to play the same positions as them and because Lidstrom is far and away the best Swedish player of all time uh, and then <laughs> I mean even you you know you're saying oh Peter Forsberg another guy who kids would have been watching he also so good defensively and I mean and Sundin too Sundin is the all-time shorthanded goals leader for Sweden as well. So you've got your top three players, and the list goes on and on of these great defensive forwards as well from Sweden. Um, that just there's something something in the water over there that makes some great defensive forwards. I guess. Yeah, they they train them right, and I mean, Lidstrom to me, it's just so funny how effortlessly he made the game seem defensively right and he never made a mistake no it's crazy to me because like early on in his career right what boggles my mind when he was you know in his in his early 20s in Detroit when they won that first Stanley Cup he was paired with Vladimir Konstantinov who was probably one of the best hitters the best bruisers this game has ever seen and like I remember one season like Konstantinov finished with a plus 60 and Lidstrom was like a plus 40 something they were so dominant, and and then of course you know Konstantinov's you know career gets derailed. But I, I I often like to think like, you know how how much more dominant could Lindstrom have been if he had had that solid guy to pair with 
through his entire career like that consistent guy to pair with. Like, see, I don't think they would have gotten Chris Chelios if they had Constantine. No, probably not. Yeah, they would have had that. And guy I and I, and I I do think that Chris Chelios is a better defenseman. Probably, but you never know what his career could have been sure, again. Sure. But again, that's hearsay. Um, yeah, but it, and then and later on in Lidstrom's career, obviously, you know, he's not as fast as he was, but he still tailors his game to play so smooth and to not make mistakes and make that outlet pass so easy. And, and he can make that pass from like behind the net. Oh, I know. Crazy. Just right on a guy's two blue tape. lines. Yeah. Great. Once they got rid of that red line, he was just lights out, you know, with that, that deep outlet pass. And even at 35, he still manages to finish with 80 points in 80 games. It's ridiculous. So 40 years old, 62 points in 82 games. So yeah, still had it. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a 41 year old still scored 11 goals. Pretty good, and fifth in Norris Trophy voting, right? Final season in Detroit <laughs> with thirty-four points. Yeah, pretty good. He, I'm sure he could have kept playing. I'm Probably. sure of it. Yeah, but he was one of those guys that did everything he needed to, got all the accolades, and you know he left the game before the game left him. Yep. Yep. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's our top ten Swedish NHL players of all time. Uh, let us know what you thought of our list at OT Hockey Talk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for the show. We look forward to talking to you guys again very soon as uh, NHL training camp rolls on. <laughs>